0: morning, First Free. My name is Jordan Cron. I am the student Ministries pastor. Uh, what are we doing here so early in the morning? Well, why being here at 7 a.m.? Well, ultimately, the church has historically set aside Holy Week to further reflect on The events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, to to further anticipate and long for this time of year when we celebrate that the person and work of Jesus, what he has done to to shed his blood, that we might have access to God. Uh, What's the significance of today in Holy Week? Well, today is traditionally known as Maundy Thursday, Holy Thursday. The significance of this from a historical perspective being a couple of events uh, in the work of Jesus uh, in his life. We see him in particular washing the feet of the disciples and offering the Lord's Supper. These images that ultimately point us to, to what he has done to give us access to the Father. And what's the text that I'll be breaking down j- just briefly this morning? Well, Josh's second reading, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 10, is what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to see how the, the Old Covenant tabernacle shows us our lack of access to God's holy place. And I want to begin looking at this text with an illustration. Have you ever asked yourself or been frustrated with this question, how can I get access? I I feel this every now and then uh, with The Outpost in particular. See, see, Dean Maxwell, a number of years ago, got us these, these fancy key fobs that you simply press up to a magical plate. And the door beeps, and then the door opens, and there I have access. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's incredible technology until it doesn't work. Every now and then, the power resets. Uh, The internet, for whatever reason, isn't connecting over at the outpost. And suddenly, I'm no longer able to get access. And there it is. I'm there. My face is red. Leaders are showing up. A few students are trickling in. And we have lost the keys to the outpost to all the other doors for whatever reason. And I'm sitting there thinking, how can I get access? You ever felt this tension before? Maybe locking your keys in your car or somehow losing your keys and not having access to your house. How can I get access? Well, our text, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 10, is simply about the need. We have need for access, access to God's holy place. The Old Covenant tabernacle intentionally shows that apart from Jesus, we don't have access to God's most holy place. It intentionally shows this. So let me look at the text in two parts this morning, and I'll start with part one. Part one being this, that God intentionally organizes his tabernacle worship in verses 1 to 5. Well, it's important for us to ask this question, what is the tabernacle? We don't have the, the tabernacle outside of First Free. Um, we're, bring, we're bringing offerings and sacrifices to. Well, for for the Old Testament people of God, for Old Testament Israel, the, the tabernacle was this, this portable tent. It was a portable tent sanctuary that, that represented God's presence among his people. So so as the tabernacle moved, there, there was this, this special presence of God that, that would rest and dwell with this tabernacle. And in the tabernacle that was representative of God's special presence, that there were sacrifices that were made there. There were sacrifices that were made day in and day out. There were sacrifices that, that were made at special parts of the year. And these sacrifices, they provided they provided forgiveness. They provided cleansing. There was atonement that God's special presence in the tabernacle could be amongst God's people. And it's important for us to know that this tabernacle, that this portable tent sanctuary with with sacrifices, that this was given to to God's Old Testament people. It's not for us today. That this is an image that ultimately points us towards. It makes us long for the coming of Jesus that, that allows his special presence to dwell among his people through his sacrifice This tent is all about Jesus. Well, how's this tabernacle described? What do we see in this text about the tabernacle in particular? Well, there's a couple of things. The tabernacle is organized really into two main places. Place one for the tabernacle is the holy place. Place two is the most holy place. And throughout it in verses one to five, we see it described with item. It lists item after item after item after item, which we have little context for and understanding for. But but the big idea being that these items were to signify that God's presence was among his people and God was caring for it, and God was providing for his people is what these items were there to signify. And what's most special about this tabernacle that would have uh, been amongst God's Old Testament people? Well, the most special part would have been this this holy place that we just see described in verses 3 to 5. In particular, what's important to notice about this holy place is one of the items that's contained in there, that that being this, this box, this Ark of the Covenant. Well, the significance of this Ark of the Covenant, it's described in the Bible, is that this is where God's, uh, this is God's footstool. So in a sense, God is in heaven and his footstool is uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant here on earth in the tabernacle amongst God's Old Testament people. In a sense, this is where God rests his feet. This is where God kicks his feet up, so to say. And so overall what we see we see God intentionally organizing this tabernacle the holy place the most holy place the, the items the ark of the, of the covenant all of this to signify his presence among his people. But for this Old Testament people for for, for these people of God well, what's the problem with this tabernacle? Well, what's the issue with what's going on here? And in part 2 in verses 6 to 10 we're going to see this that tabernacle worship shows limited access to God's presence. Tabernacle worship shows us limited access to God's presence. We see this limited access described in a couple of ways. Uh, One of these being in in verse 6, where it mentions how only the priests are able to go into the holy place for the sacrificial work that's being done, for the priestly labors that are being done, that this holy place isn't accessible to everyone. It's simply accessible to those that are in the priestly class. Regular, ordinary people weren't allowed to go into the holy place. And then in verse 7, for the most holy place, that this was only allowed by the high priest himself, and it was only allowed once a year. So even those who were priests, this special priestly class, most of them, few of them ever got to have access to God's most holy place, and this is simply once per year. But what's the big idea? Access was limited. Access to God's presence, access to God's place, access to being with God was limited. We see the the point of this limited access to God's presence in verse 8 when it says, that the way into the holy place is not yet opened. The sin of God's people created this limited access. The sin of God's people created this barrier to God's presence. And for God's Old Testament people, full access to God had not yet been given. They had a need for a better high priest to give access to God's presence. The question they must have been asking and begging and wondering is this, How can I get access? How can I get access? This question drew relevance for me as I was thinking about it with uh, an interaction that I had with a student most recently. Um, I was uh, talking with with a student, just trying to, uh, it it was a, uh, trying to talk to them about baptism. They were interested in baptism. Um, And and so I got uh, ice cream for the student, Uh, Youth Ministry Secret. If you ever want to join my team, one of the secrets to gaining access to a student's heart is to feed them with food. Um, and so we got ice cream, and, and I was talking with the student about their interest in baptism. And, and there they were on one side of the table with chocolate ice cream in hand, smile on their face. And there I was on the other side of the table. I'm in my 30s, so I was eating fruit and yogurt, so slight frown on my face. Um, and, and we were talking about getting to talk about baptism. And, and one of the questions, uh, frowny face and all, that I got to ask with this student was this. If you were to stand before God in heaven, if you were to be in God's most holy place, and, and he were to ask you, God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you What would you say to that question? If God were to ask you, you were to be in God's presence in his most holy place, and he were to say, why, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to God? Well, what's What's the core idea I'm trying to ask behind that question? What, what, what am I trying to ask this student? how can you get access? How can you get access to God's most holy place? How would you answer that question? How can you get access to God's presence? How can you get access to God's place? If you were to stand before God in heaven, he should say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? For for most of culture, the answer to that question is, it's what we do. It's the good things that I've done. Do better, try harder. For some Jews, they might be wondering if the hope for God's presence was simply in the blood of bulls and goats. But, but this imagery, the, the work that's being done here, it was ultimately meant to point to something better. We don't see this tension being answered to this text, but, but the tension that's being raised here, this, these sacrifices, the limited access to God's most holy place, it's ultimately all meant to make us long for one thing, the blood of Christ a better priest who offers a better offering that we might have access to God and his holy place. How should you answer that question? Why should I let you into my heaven if God were to ask you it? Can't be about what you've what you do. It's not about the blood of bulls and goats. It's about the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. In conclusion, this tabernacle worship, all that we see going on, the, the, the holy place and most holy place, the, the, the lampstand, the table, the altar, the ark, this is all showed the presence of God among his people. And God intentionally showed our limited access apart from Christ. We couldn't go in to God's holy place. We couldn't go in to God's most holy place. Why all the imagery? Why all the limitations? To show us that we needed a better high priest one who would shed his own blood, that we might have access to God's most holy place. Would you pray with me? Father, you are an intentional God. You're a God who designed these images. You designed this tabernacle. You designed this sacrificial system. You designed these items. You would do this as an intentional way to point us to the need for your Son, Jesus Christ. And God, we don't deserve access to you. We deserve our blood to be shed. We deserve death and separation. We don't deserve access to your place. And God, we thank you for Christ. We thank you as a better high priest. He shed his own blood that we might have access to your presence. He made a way to you. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is our way into your presence. We thank you for access to Christ. God, help our hearts not to trust in the blood of bulls and goats. Help our hearts not to trust in our good deeds that we might have access to you, Lord God. Help us to look to your son, the great high priest, to give us eternal life, relationship with you, and access into your place. Help us to throw ourselves on his shed blood for our mercy an opportunity to be in your presence. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.